Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Book Hoarders Anonymous. This is Aaron. And this is Shannon. And we're old enough to drink. We are. Episode 21. Yay! <laughs> they won't start, stop, they'll stop carding us now. I know, they will. <laughs> and, and, you know, they may have to do a couple of other things to make sure that we abide by all of the rules and regulations that are required because... I ought to warn you all in advance, there may be a slap fight in this episode. Yeah, a slap fight, because we had very opposite reactions to the book this month that we chose. And not only that, but I recently read a book that I hated, and I'll talk about it later, that Aaron really loved. <laughs> yeah, and admittedly, I'm not done with the book yet, uh, but I'm really enjoying it so far, and... Uh, Hopefully, we'll continue to enjoy it. Okay, so so I'll be I'll be nice and not not spoiler. Yeah, try not <laughs> to spoil ending. the ending. I'll try. <laughs> but on the other hand, this is, may turn into a slap fight, so she may decide not to be nice anymore. <laughs> we'll just wait and oh. see. Um, meanwhile, I would like to start off by introducing a new listener. Uh, Brittany Davis from Washington State has emailed in, and she says that she really enjoys the podcast, and she thanks us very much for putting it out every, uh, you know, every time we do, and uh, we really appreciate that feedback. Thank you so much. And absolutely welcome, welcome, welcome indeed. Aboard. And if there is ever, and I and this is this goes out to all listeners, if there is ever a book that you would like us to consider for a future podcast, please feel free to let us know. We can't promise that we'll we will read yeah, the book. We'll consider it, <laughs> but we that's will all, consider that's all it. We can promise. Yeah. So, speaking of books that you considered and read this month, what were your reads of note? Okay, so I read a lot of book club type books because this month because um, I do two book clubs through work. One of them is one that happens every other month, and one happens every quarter. And this happened to be one of those months where the stars collided and um, the book club month happened or the, the book club and the the quarter book club and the every other month club <laughs> happened at the same time. Yeah, I get you. Um, so I feel like I've mostly been reading reading what feels like homework for, for a while. Um, so I read for our book club that we do at work, the, the quarterly one, mm -hmm. um, we read Shanghai Girls by Lisa C., which was really, I liked it a lot. Um, it I didn't really expect to because when I was first introduced to Lisa C's work, I like it was people were telling me that I should read Snowflower and the Secret Fan, and they were telling me this, and then they were like, and there's this scene of, of foot binding, Chinese right? footbinding, and and like it's harrowing, and I was like, wow, that is the opposite of an endorsement should right be. there. Life is too short. So I expected to go into Shanghai Girls not really liking it very much, but it turned out to be a really fun book. Um, there's definitely some some harrowing parts, but um, 
I really liked her writing style and I was I I learned a lot. And I I really like um books about kind of like what was going on um like not not necessarily the military stuff but sort of the civilian stuff that was going on around World War II and this book has that and it has a great relationship between a couple of sisters. And they, they start out in Shanghai, hence the title, but they end up in, in Los Angeles as, as Chinese American or Chinese immigrants to America. And um and I like like immigrant experience type of stories and this one was, was grittier than a lot of them tend to be, but it was like there were there were also really sweet moments and I I really enjoyed it and the bond between the two sisters was excellent mm-hmm. and it, I still need to call my sister I keep <laughs> ever since I finished that book I've been like I should really text my sister um and then for um uh, well the, I'll skip the the other book club book but after my book club reads I kind of decided that I was going to read some stuff for me so um last week I read. L.M. Montgomery's The Blue Castle, which was just put onto Bookshare. And um, that one is uh, a standalone novel she wrote and is an adult story. You know, most L.M. Montgomery wrote the Anne of Green Gables books, which are, you know, decidedly more for young adults. And The Blue Castle is about a woman who is a, a spinster and um, living in Canada. And she goes to see a doctor about some pain she's been experiencing. And, and um, the doctor accidentally, well, the doctor sends her a note basically saying, oh, you've got a year to live. <laughs> it's what Jeez. you've got is something fatal. Mm-hmm. And so she decides to go like, do like she's only got a year to live. So she might as well live it fully. And it's like that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not nearly as saccharine as you would think it would be. Um, it was very, like, I really liked it. I, I, I thought that, like, that she wrote really, really vivid descriptions of, of nature. And I thought that she, her characters had a lot of heart and humor without necessarily going into, like, schmaltziness. And then um, the young adult book club that I occasionally go to was reading Ask the Passengers by A.S. King, which I finished on um, just recently. And um, that one is a, obviously, a young adult book about a girl who is coming to terms with her sexuality. And um, it's, it's called that because she lies on, the, on, on her picnic table and looks up at airplanes passing by and occasionally talks to them and mm-hmm. the passengers on the planes and imagines where they're going and what's going to happen. And um, it could be really dorky and cheesy, but I thought it, I thought it worked really well. Um, the protagonist was very smart and she was, I mean, like she had the teenage angst, but she was not like, I thought she was, she was really self-aware mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know for sometimes I want more of that in my young adult fiction I'm like you know if I have to put up with you at least you ought to know that you're being kind of a pill right now <laughs> um so that's what I that's what I've been reading oh and then the last thing I'll mention this is why I left it for last <laughs> um <laughs> the other the other book club read that we did um was Suzanne Rindle's The Other Typist um which we're reading at the 
the there's a book club I go to at the Seattle Public Library, also mm-hmm. through work. And um, I know that a lot of the problems that I had with the book were just like due to issues of it being my personal taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't like it at all. I, I like, you know, it's, it seemed to me pretty obvious from the start that, um, that the, the narrator was unreliable and like that doesn't generally work for me because, you know, that I spend the whole, the whole book, like feeling like I'm kind of at a distance from the character and, and, you know, can't trust anything that she says. And, um, and I won't spoil the ending, but I will say that I, I, I hated it. I felt really let down by the ending, and I felt like the author didn't do a very good job of covering her tracks and making me think, oh, that's how you got from point A to point to Q. Point B. I mean like it was just like look this is a shocking twist ending look at how shocking this twist is and I like and and I feel like if you're gonna do a shocking twist ending you should at least have like like it should shock you but then you should be able to look back and be like okay yeah so because that happened and then oh oh okay you know Mm -hmm. and I just never really had that oh okay moment did you feel like it was contrived Yes, I felt mm-hmm. like it was very contrived. Mm-hmm. And I have all ideas that, you know, if I get to the ending, I may feel the same way. But right now, I'm in the sort of in the midst of the book. And I have to say, I mean, I, I'm i just getting started. I've read about, I don't know, a couple hours, I guess, of, of the audio. It's like 10 hours, I guess. And I've read about two or three of them. Uh, and, and at this point, I'm really enjoying it. Now, there may come a time when, you know, I feel like everyone is unreliable and irritating uh but at this point i'm not i'm not feeling i'm not feeling that so you know this isn't turning into as much of a slap fight as (laughs) it it could um i actually like the book for one particular reason and i think it may be the actual reader of the book um i'm reading the audible version and and the narrator is very like she sounds like the character they picked a really good choice for the for the narrator she's very young and she has a very fresh voice and this narrator in the book wants to portray herself that way whether she is or not uh and so i think they picked a good choice of narrator and i think that's influencing me a lot in this in this book yeah and i think quite honestly um in our book that we chose for the monthly podcast, one of the things that made it a lot of work for me was the narrator. Uh, mm-hmm. So narrator has, you know, a lot of effect on a book, I found. It does. And I listened to I listened to it on on Bard. So I got mm-hmm. Nona Pipes. And I, I'd never heard anything that she that she narrated before. And so I, I'm not saying that she's a bad narrator. Like, she's certainly not... Um, She's certainly not not like one of the worst ones in, in their stable, right? But um, I think you're right. I because there was like like she had this thing that she did where she was so breathy. <laughs> she does have kind of a breathy element to her voice sometimes, and <laughs> like, and, and yeah. it was. The, I think if I'd been enjoying it more, like I would totally be able to ignore that. Mm-hmm. But since I wasn't, I it was it just drove me nuts. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, and and there are some there are some bard narrators that 
they could have picked that definitely would have been worse. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. And, and you know, that that's one of my things is I really like the narrator that was chosen. But I can understand how a different narrator would have a completely different effect, uh, I guess, because of, you know, the the lady awakened and the experience I had with that, which I'll talk yeah. about after I get through my books and we get through our news <laughs> and we do all that stuff. Um, my books for the month, let's see, I, I did not read as much as I usually do. And a lot of what I read were parts of series. Um, I do want to, speaking of, you know, books and, and characters that we may not have really liked or felt connected with. Um, one book I want to discuss is Object Lessons by Anna Quinlan. Uh, and, and a lot of people on, um, we're talking about the same email list that raved about the book so much. Um, you know, some people raved about this book, and I thought, okay, I'll try it, especially since it's been on my iPhone for ages. And I just got my new iPad, and I'm trying to read the books that are on my iPhone so I can get them off, and I don't have to download them to my iPad, because I'm, I'm turning my iPad into my reading machine, I think. Um, because it has such a good sound, my iPad mini. Uh, so anyways, I start reading this book uh, using using the, the iPhone, and the narrator was decent. Actually, that may be Nona Pipes. I can't remember now, but um, <laughs> I think it is, actually. Um, but anyway. Oh, Nona. Oh, Don't Nona. listen to this podcast, Yeah, Nona. no, I really liked, I actually, I liked her for that choice of, for that book. I thought she, she did a good job. Um, but at the beginning of the book, I just, I like, I did not like the characters. I thought they were all, and it, it's told from the point of view primarily of a, a girl in the, growing up in the 1960s, who's 12 or so, and also from sort of from the point of view of her mother and a little bit from the point of view of her father and how they try to grow together as a family and how external forces in the form of other family members, one of whom I believe is a truly evil human being, um, even though the, the author tries to say that he's really not, I, I can't help but think of him as evil, um, They how those other, you know, other things influence them. And it, it basically deals with one summer in their lives and how they respond to what's going on around them. Um, and although it may sound a little bit weird, I mean, we get the 12-year-old daughter's teenage angst. She really does not understand her mother at all. They don't get along. You know, that kind of thing. We get that. Mm-hmm. We get her mother. And this is this may be hard for some of us to understand, especially because a lot of us are A, blind, and B, live in 2012, when, 2013, 2014, whatever year this is, when women <laughs> are much more independent than they used to be. But her mother, Connie, can't drive. And Connie decides to go behind her husband's back. Her husband has always been, you know, he's taken it as pride, Tommy has, that he's, you know, he's able to take her everywhere she needs to go. And so, uh, you know, she kind of goes behind his back and gets driving lessons from this old friend of hers who comes to do construction work on the neighborhood in back of their housing development. Uh, and this guy, you know, gives her driving lessons. And throughout the book, you're wondering, are they doing more than just driving lessons? And it turns out, you know, he's, you know, asking her to have an affair with him. And she, you know, she she does what she does to to answer that. I mean, she does the right thing. But her husband is very suspicious of this friendship that's going on between them. Um, and there's also some some racial tension that people nowadays may not understand the Tommy, the Irish Catholic father married an Italian Catholic woman, Connie Conchetta. Um, and they were in New York and this was not the thing to do. And his father, who I believe is an evil human being, um, <laughs> 
tries everything he can to dissuade him from doing it. And this is, of course, in the past. And now we see the results of it. And his father and him don't really get along that well. His father tries to manipulate all the family members, even him. And he's, you know, defying him in this one thing, at least. Um, But then during that summer, um, his father has a stroke. And we see, you know, Tommy's response to it. Oh, dear, have I made, you know, all these wrong decisions? And do I do what my father wants me to do? I mean, his father doesn't want him to divorce his wife or anything. It's it's another decision that he's agonizing over. Because my father is about to die, do I have to honor his wishes, you know? Um, and then we have the teenage daughter, Maggie, who's struggling to find out who she is. And she gets involved in stuff that's really not safe and somewhat dangerous. And she finds out that her best friend is not really her best friend. So all of these characters really grow a lot. But when the book first starts, it's like, it's so sad because they, they don't talk to each other. They don't communicate with each other. They don't understand each other. And I thought, oh my God, is this book just going to go down the road of total catastrophe? And I really believed that it was, and I almost stopped reading it, but I'm glad that I finished it because it was a good ending. It was not a happy-go-lucky, everything's totally awesome ending, but it was it was a good ending. Um, yeah. And so I liked that. Uh, it was not, you know, the characters were not perfect. They all had their flaws, but they all were good people, and the goodness prevailed. And that and that was what I really, I really admired that the author for doing that. This was her first novel. I hope that she has other novels um, because that one was a good one. And I hope that she continues in that vein. It wasn't like, I'm going to come back to this as a comfort read, but I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, one book that I kept reading, even though it was mega weird. I mean, this book was weird. Um, was called The World at the End by... Ophir Gafla. I think think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know. He's from Israel or someplace. Uh, And it was originally written in Hebrew. And, you know, like, of course, I read the English version since I don't know Hebrew at all, uh, except for a couple of words in the alphabet. Um, (laughs) Well, the Hebrew alphabet. Anyway, um, he, this guy, the characters all just, for me, lacked something. They were too something. Like, one of them was too naive and nice. Another character was too crazy. Uh, another character was, and the ending was very contrived, and, and another character was, was, you know, like too much of a liar. They, all the characters were, their attributes seemed exaggerated, and he may have done this to make a point, you know. Um, the book was called The World at the End, and it was about this guy whose wife died by falling off a Ferris wheel. Oh my god. Oh dear. And he's so, Ben... Ben is so upset that Marion fell off the Ferris wheel and died that he commits suicide a year after her death. So it's about him after he dies and how he searches for Marion because he believes that she would not abandon him after death. And and usually I like books like this where people like try to speculate about what the afterlife is like because oftentimes they're funny, they're satirical, um, and they're amusing to me who, you know, like raging agnostic doesn't really have an opinion about life after death and we're concerned about living here and living well than what it's going to be like afterwards um so i i just this one was just so it was bizarre everything was strange and there were a lot of connections to the world of living people as ben is traipsing through the afterlife looking for marion uh all these living people are getting into all these shenanigans and it's all connected to the afterlife and Ben looking for Marion. 
Uh, and the ending was very contrived. Speaking of contrived endings, I was not happy with the book, but for some reason I finished it. I thought it has to get better. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I finished it anyway because I wanted to see how contrived the ending actually was. Um, and it was one of those things like I think you're thinking of with the, with the other typist where it was like, you know, for you, that ending was not, it was not one of those things where you could go, oh, okay, I see where it happened. This was just kind of like, bam, and here's the ending. And I was like, what? Wasn't this, that a shocking twist? That was not very shocking. And actually, well, it, it, it wasn't shocking. And it seemed like the author took the easy way out in a lot of places to make the ending really, you know, contrived and to fix everything neatly up and tie it with a little bow. And actually, it doesn't end with everything all tied up in a little bow. It kind of ends with leaving you hanging. Like, are Ben and Marion really going to find each other again? And is everything going to be okay? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't really wind that up. So you're left really hanging. I mean, I guess there's a difference between, you know, optic lessons where you're not left hanging. Everything resolves itself. The characters aren't, you know, in the places that they want to be and they still have work to do in their relationships with each other. But at least everything is resolved. And this mm -hmm. ended with no resolution at all. Ugh. It was just not good. I didn't like it. If if anyone liked this book and wants to tell me what all the wonderfulness was about, just just let me know. I feel like he was using the afterlife to make fun of our society and satire on, you know, our you know, how crazy our society is and talk about questions of fate and coincidence and whether they really exist. But I just didn't feel like it was done well. Um maybe it's cultural. I mean, who knows? I you know, I don't know. I just it did not resonate with me at all. Um let's see. One book that did resonate with me, all these books resonate with me. I love them to death. Um, it's part of series. It's um, part of, I'm, I'm still reading or plugging away at the, uh, the first North American series by um, Michael and Kathleen Gere, who are anthropologists turned authors. And their books con concern uh, Native American culture uh, as pieced together through archaeological evidence. So, in other words, before the, you know, white man came, um, basically. And they're, you know, they're, they're very well done, and they, they're very well researched. And it's always like a little bit of mystery and romance and paranormal, all just sort of thrown in together along with that. And this one in, I read in particular was called People of the Lightning. And I thought that the culture was really alien. It was one of the more alien ones to me. Um, they focused on the people who lived in Florida about, I don't know, like 8,000 years ago or somewhere. And we know enough to know a few things about this culture uh, from their remains, one of which is they lived in these small clans and they lived, they survived by hunting, gathering and raiding one another for, you know, food and, well, women and, and things. And that's how they, that's how they survived. And they also buried their dead in ponds. Which, which for some weird reason that we don't know about um, and can only speculate about. So I thought that the way that they dealt with those facts, you know, that well, those things that we're, we're not sure, you know, why did they bury their people in ponds and what were the results of all this, you know, raiding back and forth? And they dealt with those both those things really well. And I thought the book was great. Um, I love the series. I think it's fascinating. Um, and I've been reading it on and off for a couple of years. They're about 13 or 14 books by now and they're all on Bard and there was one book that I did not like and I think it was the narrator because Alexander Strain puts me to sleep and he narrated one of the books and it was like oh my god I can't stay awake 
he's this British guy and he's sort of boring, in my opinion. <laughs> and, and I thought it was all right, but it kind of put me to sleep. And, and no, dear. Oh, dear. Um, uh, the last one I want to talk about, four and four, uh, is a romance because... Yes, indeedy. I found a romance that I liked. I am not as sourpuss as I thought. I thought that I was going to really like our, our book selection and I didn't. And so being really kind of upset with myself because I thought, am I just getting old and an old crone and wrinkled and, and stuff? I thought I should try another romance. And I did. And I really enjoyed it. I find that for me, romances have to have, if I'm going to really enjoy them, another subplot to them. Um, and this one did. This one is um, by Cheryl Woods. She writes, she wrote a series called the Sweet Magnolias series. And it's like this small southern town. And all these women in this town are, are friends. And uh, each one of them has kind of like a book to herself. And I didn't know this when I got the book. I didn't pay attention. I just downloaded the book. Um, and so the book is actually the last in the series. But I don't feel like I missed anything by not reading the other ones first. Uh, and that's a hallmark of a good you know, a good book when it can stand alone by itself, but it still can remain part of a series. Um, this is a, a book that focuses on the character of Raylene, who is a, um, you know, woman who has suffered from an abusive marriage, and she's come back to Serenity, the small town that's featured in all of these books. Uh, and she is now um, agoraphobic. She can't leave the house. And she falls in love with the local sheriff after, you know, a while. And he patiently tries to lure her out of the house. And it's not easy. And she has a very hard time. And she sees a therapist and goes on medication and does all kinds of things. And, fi I mean, you know, finally, it's, it's better towards the end of the book. And she can get out and do more. Still not perfect, but, you know, she's got him to lean on. And they... They fall in love, and it's very sweet. Um, and you also have all these other characters who make up the town, who add flavor and, and uh, you know, depth to the book. And there's some other subplots going on. At the same time, Raylene is trying to organize a romance between one of her friend's ex-husbands and somebody else. And there's just other, you know, funny stuff going on. It was a light read. Um, I felt like, you know, it had, you know, although she had the psychological condition and she was reliving a lot of things from her past... It was not overly, you know, heavy on that kind of thing. Uh, and it was it was really nice. And I felt, um, you know, very comfortable with the characters. Not only that, I think, but I was reading the commercial version, which is also on Bard. Um, and it's read by Mary Robinette Kowal, whose voice makes me go all yum inside. Um, <laughs> she actually writes books of her own that are very good, but she's a very, very good narrator. Um, she's she's read a lot of, of books for, um, I think, Brilliance brilliance audio she's read like the uh sean ann mcguire october day novels which are on bard uh most of them i think except for one and also um all of these like cheryl woods books and some other things um and and i like her voice a lot so that that helped uh now i'll shut up sort of okay um and we can talk about our Little news stories. Oh, the news. Yes. yes, the news. Well, speaking of voices, um, the Voice Dream Reader app for the for iOS has been updated. They did a pretty pretty um, substantial update, and they have added a couple of Ivona Texas speech voices, um, and that's a um, 
you know, for those of you that don't know what that is, they're, I think they, I think Ivona was bought by Amazon, so I think you can get those voices on, like, the Kindles now, um, I know you, I know that if you, if you download Daisy Audio from Bookshare, um, you can get, uh, Ivona Kendra, <laughs> to read for you but this this uh voice dream has sally and joey and before the podcast aaron and i were talking about how joey sounds like such a stoner oh dude dude it's like really stoned I'm reading some books but man. books are fun man <laughs> yeah he he does he sounds stoned but sally sally's pretty good um i have not bought any of any external well voices at cost for for voice dream yet but um i have been messing around with the update in as far as um you know like importing audio files from dropbox it seems to be a lot faster doing that once i got a dropbox set up on my ipad which was a pain and a half i'd have rodney do it for me <laughs> but um <laughs> oh dear <laughs> but uh once I did that, and then I, I even tried it on the phone, and it, it is faster um, as well, sort of importing large amounts of data uh, from from other apps, which is great. And I heard other people say that uh, it's very good at doing the same with PDFs. Um, it's better at PDF recognition, number one. And number two, importing larger books in PDF format is easier for the app and in DAISY format. Um, a Twitter follower of mine said that she was trying to get like a 1500 page book from bookshare into voice stream to read she wanted to read it with you know in daisy format or in uh text format for some reason and she couldn't get it to go in there and i said well it's probably because it's too big and then she updated the app and it worked just perfectly um i have known i do know that there are some people who have updated the app and it does not load properly um it crashes completely on your phone and you know like you try to open the app and it just it doesn't even open it takes you back to where you were before and it completely crashes and I do know that they're working on the problem to try and figure it out I know at least one person who's having this problem and another person who had it at one point but I think in that case in one case it has been resolved this is not news but it's something that I want to point out um, speaking of apps the audible app is great I've been using it a lot uh, recently because I've been reading some Audible books uh, and my Audible account is just a few months old and I'm now getting around to reading the books I've been purchasing. Yay me. Um, some of them are fairly long though so I'm not done with them yet. But uh, I do want to say that the Audible customer care folks are very responsive to requests. So those of you who have problems with either the app or the website or basically anything, um, my experience with the customer care folks is that they're very responsive and receptive to requests and questions. That's simply all I'll say about that. But um, I've been very pleasantly surprised by, you know, it's a big company. They're busy, but I find their responses very prompt and very informative. So well, just a shout out to Audible. Yay, Audible. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of big companies, um, you know, another big company is uh, I totally, totally failed at the segue the company that makes scrabble yeah the scrabble people <laughs> they're a big company and they've decided to do some crowdsourcing yeah scrabble has asked fans to choose a new word that can be added to the dictionary 
they have uh, not modified the dictionary in a good number of years. Uh, and so they're gonna they're kind of try and modify it again. And the official dictionary will be a playable word uh, once it's once it's modified. This is their dictionary of words that you can play in Scrabble. And of course, they all have to be you know mostly seven letters or s- smaller. So um, it's um, finally updating its player's dictionary for the first time in the last nine years. The creator of the game. Hasbro, that's the company we're looking for, yay, will be adding thousands of new words to the official Scrabble Players Dictionary. Um, Players can add a word of their choice to the game. Um, It's giving a fair chance to all its players through a contest announced on Facebook. Uh, This week, actually, it was announced. So um, I'm not exactly sure what you can do, but you can find Scrabble on Facebook and go find out. Exactly. Um, and, you know, like nine years, it, it, I, w- I was reading, it makes me think of this article I read about how, um, li- because like of the inter- internet, um, that being so online has, has absolutely caused our language to evolve in new and interesting ways. So mm-hmm. it made, made me wonder if like some of the words um, like would be like internet isms. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the article was fascinating because it was talking about how, like, like people on the internet, or, or I think mostly on Tumblr was what they were mm-hmm. saying, like, using phrases like, I can't even right now, and then, like, talking about how, like, it on people that are familiar with these memes realize that, like, I can't even is a, is a statement that means, like, I can't even figure out some way to finish this sentence because I am so... Um, horrified or disappointed or whatever by what you have just said mm-hmm. but of course like they don't that's not like but of course like nobody uses all those words we you know do i can't even and you know right. people that aren't familiar with the internet are like what you can't even what <laughs> i mean yeah there are a lot of you know internet memes that i just i see them on twitter or facebook or somewhere and i'm like what and then people <laughs> explain it to me and i'm like oh i understand i i guess um, but yes, you're right that the language has evolved in, in very interesting ways. And there are a lot of, I guess, dictionaries have varying degrees of, you know, like varying opinions on whether they're going to add the words or not. Um, and and I think some of them have and some of them have not. I know the Oxford English Dictionary in particular, which a lot of people rely on, takes a very, you know, strict approach and is not including any internet memes that I know of. Although, of course... I- like places like um, Urban Dictionary are much more relaxed about it. Was it the Oxford Dictionary? I feel like I read somewhere that one of the dictionaries had decided to finally add the definition of literally that means like not literally, like like more of a colloquial use. Like when people say like, oh, you know, a chill literally ran down my spine and they don't mean that a chill actually ran down their spine. They mean the, like, you know, kind of an emphasis type of thing. Right. I don't know. I think so. I believe that it was the Oxford Dictionary that decided to do that. And it was a Which recent Which makes me a little sad because yeah. I like the word literally to mean. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah, exactly. Um, but moving on uh, to... New things. Uh, Charlene Harris has killed off her Sookie Stackhouse series. Um, there's a new book that was recently published called After Dead, which is very short and kind of like wraps up things. And now that that's done, she's starting over with a brand new rural gothic trilogy, starting with Midnight Crossroads. 
uh, on May 6th, it's going to be released. Um, last November, Harris gave a little tease into the upcoming novel. Um, and it's, there are about a group of people, all of them uh, with secrets, drawn to a remote and rural crossroad in Texas instead of Louisiana this time. Um, some of the people she's wanted to revisit from other older series. Yes, she does have other books other than the True Blood series. And some of them are people that her readers have never met before. Uh, there are supernatural elements in the Midnight books, but they're not as focused as um, the Sookie Stackhouse novels. And it's... Um, She's liking this because it's something new to work on, etc. Um, no word, uh, no word yet on whether it's going to be put into a TV series. But I have all ideas that um, it might be, and in the future. So that would be something to look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. And some other authors that I have, I've only heard of one of these people. Um. But uh, some other authors have been recognized for winning some awards, primarily Chimamanda Ngozi uh, and Sherry Fink have um, each won book awards recently uh, for their books. Um, the first author won an award uh, for her book about uh, emigrating to America from Nigeria and about what the experience is like. And it's basically a fictionalized account of her own experiences. And she's gotten a lot of flack and criticism of it, you know, of the book. Uh, some people really loved the book and other people did not. And I have not read it, so I can't say. I, I haven't read it either, but it looks interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know... I don't know that I'm going to like run to put it on my bookshelf, but I feel like it might be something to suggest for a book club. Yeah, it's a so definite book club suggestion. And I may actually suggest it for my book club when we read books next year. Um, we have a biography and memoir section that uh, we don't necessarily, they don't have to necessarily be nonfiction books. Um, and so I may suggest that one too. But uh the um, last story is that a reporter, Joe McGinnis, who chronicled politics and sensational crime, uh, ooh, has, has died. Um, he was drawn to these serious subjects that had, uh, you know, tabloid sheens, if you will. And he died on Monday at the age of 71. He was a journalist provocateur whose book-length probes into political lives and horrific crimes often triggered controversy, critical debate, and mega sales. Um, yeah, so... So that sounds like a yeah. great segue for, for our... We're not reading a Joe McGinnis book in, in for April no. next month, but we no. are um, <laughs> reading about some true crime. Yeah, absolutely. So um, why don't we switch things up and talk about not the book that we read, but the book that we're going to read, just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. Um, so this is long... <laughs> I don't remember how long it is exactly, but I feel like it's over 20 hours. Um, it is Helter Skelter by Vincent Bugliosi, um, which is the an account of the Manson murders. <sighs> and uh, yeah, don't read that while you're, uh, you know, trying to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, speaking <laughs> of evil human beings. Yeah, at least that is my plan. Um but I'm I'm excited about it because it's been on my list of, of things to read for a while and, and I've not really read much true crime. But um I know that, that like 
Vincent Bugliosi has has like made a bit of a name for himself as a um well as a lawyer that then turned into a writer I suppose um it seems like he's got a few books out there um some of which are more fictional than than not about um various things that he's been involved with and the Manson murders were pretty pretty sensational at the time and I I think it'll be uh, people are always telling us we should read more nonfiction yeah, on this podcast absolutely. so uh, so yeah go. let's get started um I'm looking forward to reading that too I have not read much true crime myself um one of criticism that I get uh, or that I have seen with regard to a lot of true crime is that it is a very it a lot of it is very dry and kind of boring um now, I have not found that to be the case with the Anne Rule books that I've read, but certainly uh, some some others have been. So I hope this is not going to be that way. Now, the fact that this is, you know, very famous and, and he's made a name for himself with his other books makes me think that they'll probably be, it's, it'll probably be pretty good. And the subject matter itself is something that's always interested me. Why in the world this happened and how he convinced all these people to go along with him is just crazy. So um, I'm looking forward to reading that too. And that is our book for next time. Uh, and lest you all think we forgot. Yes, we should talk about this A Lady Awakened. Yes, A Lady Awakened. Um, and in my opinion, it was kind of like a lady put to sleep. It was serious <laughs> work for me to get through this book. But um, just to refresh your memory, this is about Martha, who... Uh, whose husband dies at the beginning of the book. Well, he's already dead. And she comes up with a scheme to try and keep that property for herself. This is one of those Regency romances, you know, so it's very feudal and in the 1800s and women are very sort of restricted in terms of what uh, kinds of lives they can have and what kinds of things they can do. And the fact that they can cannot own property themselves, uh, except in very special circumstances, uh, stands in her way a little bit. So um, let's talk about the book and let's start with your reaction since you liked the book. I did like the book. I, I read it last year um, and I what I liked about it um, was that I thought that the author did some really interesting things with being a woman in that time period. I... I feel like a lot of times when I read Regency romances, it's all about like, oh, look, you know, now I get to wear the ball gowns and maybe I'll get married and go to some parties. And, you know, Martha was very much not that sort of woman. And um, she was she, she was like very sensible and practical. And and I really liked the fact that um, that that the author did a lot of things that would not be um, like there, there are things that happen in this book that just, I haven't ever seen happen in a whole lot of romances. Like in a lot of romances I read um, like the one touch from the hero kind of makes, makes the heroine go all swoony and, you know, <sighs> and like, so in this book, the like you know she she comes up with this scheme to try to get to get herself pregnant, and she you know enlists the help of her neighbor, who's this bored, um, you know gentleman of leisure that doesn't really have a whole lot going on, who's kind of been sent to the country to uh, 
you know, improve his <laughs> disposition or whatever. Um, and, and so, you know, like, he's like, what? Okay. And like the first few encounters that they have where, where, you know, as, as she's trying to, you know, make herself, get herself pregnant, um, like they're bad. Like the, the, like they, neither of them enjoy themselves at all. And um, I liked that as the two of them got to be genuinely more friendly, then um, the sex became much more enjoyable for both of them. And like, not just sort of a transaction. Um, And I thought that was really really refreshing because I feel like a lot of times when I read romances, I don't really buy that these people are friends with each other. And then I worry like at the end of the book, well, are they going <laughs> to like, do I believe that, it, that, that as soon as I close this book, these people will, will stay together. And, and a lot of times I don't. Yeah. And I, um, I know what you and, mean. And I will say like, just on the, the narration thing, I listened to the audible version and, um, was read by Susan Erickson doing a British accent. <laughs> and it actually, it like, I, I feel like Susan Erickson is a good enough actress that she pulled it off really well. Um, but I, I have heard the bard, ver- like I've heard Teresa Conkin narrate other romances. She's the bard narrator. And I just don't think that they should be letting her read British set and and that's that's the version that i was reading and i have to say some of my dislike for the book comes from the narration i i didn't waste an audible credit because i didn't feel like i would one of my things with regency romances they have to be narrated in a british accent or i'm not going to read them i mean really i just it it adds so much to the to the atmosphere of the book it makes it for me more believable because i think a lot of them feel really contrived to me um and so, you know, if I can at least have a British accent, I can at least be put into the into the world a little bit more and feel like I've got some of the atmosphere. So, you know, I, I didn't I didn't feel like, although if I'd been listening to the audible version, I may have had a different opinion. I, I knew that the person narrating it was American. So I thought, well, I really don't want to waste my credit on this. I can just read it from from Bard, you know, and, and deal with Teresa Conkin and maybe it'll be OK. Um, I don't think, though, that the narration was all that I didn't like about the book. I think there was there was more to it. Um, I thought that the book, in my opinion, it was a little bit, it was a little bit too long. Um, I just felt like it lasted a long time. And I understand that Martha, you know, not knowing how pleasurable uh, romances and, you know, romantic physical encounters could be, needed to be taught that. And that she needed to go through a lot in order to learn that and value that. But I thought that, I mean, I just, I don't know. I thought it just took too long. And I was very impatient with them to kind of like, it, it, it seemed like some of the descriptions were a little bit too drawn out, I guess. And this is just, you know, this is for just my opinion. Uh, some of the descriptions, you know, of their encounters together were a little bit drawn out. And there were some other things that, you know, went on in the book that I didn't think were really necessary. And I just wanted it to be over with. Um, I'm not sure exactly what else about it made me dislike it so much, but I think that one of the things I have learned is that when I read romances, I want them to be, if they're just going to talk, if they're just going to mainly consider the romance, I want them to be really short and to the point, or they have to have some other kind of subplot or component 
in them, like other people who have mm-hmm. things going on. And this had some of that, you know, like towards the end when the when she started finding out what had gone on in the house before and uh, started getting other people involved in, you know, you know, the other women involved in protecting themselves when the, you know, James Russell came to visit uh, and, and, you know, his sons came that I got more interested in because then it, it, there were some other characters and some other people with, with their own kind of agendas or lack thereof, you know, it was like, what do these people want? And how can we help these particular people? Um, And I got more interested at that point, kind of towards the end when other people got to be involved with their own quirks and their own, you know, their own, uh, their own lives going on. And it, it added some flavor to the mix. But I think a large part of the book was the two of them interacting. And I just got a little bored, actually a lot bored with a good a good portion of that. Um, so I just, and it, you know, for me, it just didn't work for me. Uh, but I found the experience of reading it very uh, enlightening because it showed me what I, you know, what kinds of things I do and don't want in a romance, which um, not being a reader of romances, you know, in general, although I go through phases where I read several, several and then I won't read them for a while, and then I'll read several again uh, in a row. Um, not being a reader of romances in general, I hadn't really thought about what I did and didn't want in a romance novel, and I think now I have a better idea of, of what ones will attract me and when ones won't. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I think, like, you know, <clears throat> again, you know, like, all this stuff is is totally personal taste, because I think that, um, like, Often I do like the quieter books about just two people coming to trust each other and like having think having like their budding friendship and their budding relationship be kind of a center stage without a whole lot of extra stuff going on. Um, I feel like I've been burned too many times by by authors like oh. Well, you know, speaking of small town romances, I felt like like I had to quit reading Robin Carr because mm-hmm. after I read like the first seven or eight of those Virgin River books, and after a while, it was like, oh my like, god, these people again? Less, yeah, yeah. There, there is less. There is less screen time with the couple that the book is ostensibly about. You know, and and a lot more about like you know, oh, this is like what's going on with the lady that runs the beauty parlor across the street. <laughs> you right. know, and. And I and then the Black Dagger Brotherhood was that way too. Um, mm-hmm. After a certain point, it was just like you know, if I have to read about like Fury smoking up and whining about how nobody appreciates his unique special snowflakeness, like when I'm really supposed to be reading about Butch or whatever, you know. I'm yeah, just and, done. and I'm kind of bored with that series. Although I probably will continue to read it because I've read every one of the books, and so. But I really, I thought that, especially by, what is she up now, 11th? The 10th one. I haven't, the 11th one isn't out yet, I don't think. Whatever one it was that I I did finish, um, and we're waiting for the next one, I felt like, really? Like, it's supposed to be about two people, but she spends most of the book talking about all these other people. Yeah. And and I got a little bit, um, you know, bored with that. But, yeah, and so I do understand. And I think one of the criticisms about these, you know, about authors who write in a series, uh, and and this happens a lot in romances, where there's a series and it focuses on, you know, like the uh, Sweet Magnolia series I was talking about earlier, and of course, Robin Carr and her Virgin River series and others that focus on small towns and, 
you know, one book fo- is supposed to focus on one person in that town. Uh, one criticism I have of series like that is they get too long. And there are too yeah. many books. And I get, you know, you get bored. It's like the small town is cool, but you've explored the small town. And it's a small town, you know? Yeah. Like, Keep it there's small. Nothing, there's nothing else that we can add to this. Right. Like, really, we can't. Right. So some authors, like... um you know, there there are some authors that, you know, their series are just starting out and you kind of hope that they're not going to develop them into, you know, long drawn out series with eight or more books. That's just a little excessive, I think. But um, I do like a lot of the small town, the small town kinds of romances. I think they're, I think they're fun. Um, and I think also my romances have to have some kind of like psychological or historical or paranormal component. That's a you know, that adds an, an element of mystery to the to the whole thing. Um, I guess I just like complexity. I don't know, multi-layers yeah. or something. But it's all personal taste. And so it was really funny when we were starting out this podcast because we were like, should we break up? You know, <laughs> we're having all these different reactions to books. And we thought, and, and it's, but I think it's really good that we're not as much into being reading twins as, as I thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It makes for it makes for much more interesting discussions anyway. Absolutely. And because I totally see it, like, you know, like what what you're saying about the book. And I think that the narrator certainly doesn't help. Um it, you know, I I do see where if you're not particularly invested in those characters, and they took a while for me to get into, but I like eventually I was totally on board with them. And I think that if I hadn't been then yeah, it would have been like, what is like, why are we still, why are we still yeah. doing this? Yeah. And it just, for some reason I couldn't get invested in, I couldn't get invested in her and I felt like I should. And I, I just, I don't know whether it was just that her personality, like I understand that she was a practical woman and she wanted, the author wanted to uh, underscore that aspect of her personality, but I felt like she made her a little bit too boring. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was so, I mean, like, you know, her character was just kind of, it never really appealed to me. And it's not like I disliked her as a person. I just disliked her character. Uh, I didn't feel like it was multidimensional enough for me. And I, th- yeah. and I think that was one of my, my biggest problems with the book. So slap fight. um but uh hopefully we will both um uh hopefully we will both have similarly diverse reactions to the next book that's coming up helter skelter (laughs) helter skelter um and um if you want to contact us of course you can email the podcast at bhapodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at book orders um, you can contact me personally at Aaron Edgar on Twitter and find my melting pot show on thephoenix.net. And uh, you can contact me on Twitter at Bardsong. And my blog is at flightsintofantasy.com. One day I'm going to like change my domain name so it's less like of a struggle to get it all out of my mouth. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but today is not that day. One um, day I'm actually going to work on my blog, but today is not that day. I have right. one. Pay for it every year, and nothing ever happens. So I know what you mean. Uh, but meantime, we encourage you to get in touch, however possible. Um, be sure to um, tell us if there is any book that you would like for us to consider. We have several possibilities uh, already from listeners, so thank you very much for that. And we will see you next time. 
All right. Have a good month. Bye-bye. Happy reading. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.